A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi guys, welcome to Adulting. This is the podcast where I try to figure out how to grow up in this very confusing world. And <laughs> the plane's literally just gone over us, great times. Um, and today I am joined by Rhiannon. Hello everybody! <laughs> so you might know Rhiannon from Instagram or from seeing her on the news. She is Retrition on Instagram. I am, yes. And she is a nutritionist. And do you want to tell us a bit more about Yeah, um, so I'm a registered associate nutritionist. That basically means that I have a governing body that checks what I do. So I think there's a bit of confusion around the word nutritionist because it's not a protected title. It means I actually have a code of conduct, I have ethics... I have a few degrees, things that mean I hopefully know what I'm talking about. But um, my nutrition kind of handle and world is called Retrition. I merged Rhiannon with the word nutrition and created a kind of my own real take on it, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fab. And I've, I've been following Re for a bit now. And I kind of remember finding her and I was like, oh, finally, there's someone who kind of knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, but the reason that I wanted to have on today was one of the biggest requests I get from mostly young women is asking me to talk about eating disorders Mm. and what they are dispelling a few myths and also maybe just to give a bit more background into understanding it so yeah I mean I think the subject of eating disorders is obviously a hugely complex and misunderstood one Um, firstly my uh, three areas of nutrition are eating disorders sports nutrition and weight management so I did a degree first of all in overall nutrition my master's was actually specializing in obesity and then from that I went to do a master practitioner um, in eating disorders and the psychological behaviors because an eating disorder is a mental health Mm. illness and I think that's what people misunderstand the most. Yeah, I think a lot of people, like young girls who've reached out to me, said that the the misconception in the media and the misuse of the word Mm. kind of perpetuates the idea that it's all about being skinny, but actually it is, as you say, it's a mental illness. It's not just kind of wanting to be on a constant diet. No, and I think also it's not a choice. People Mm. don't choose to wake up one day and have an eating disorder. And there's a big difference, I should also reiterate, between disordered eating Mm. behaviours and an actual eating disorder. So there's different criteria and some of the criteria that people will assess an eating disorder on, and that's not my job role, that would be from a doctor um, or a psychiatrist that specialises in the field on if you're preoccupied with thoughts of shape or weight to the point where it's getting in the way of your everyday life. You know, all you can think about is the food. And the second one, a complete fear of weight gain, Mm. Um, body dysmorphia, lots of different characteristics. But an eating disorder is also very different. So even though there's different categories, like everyone's probably heard listening of anorexia or bulimia, but there's also lots of other different subcategories within that. And some people can cross into many different ones. Mm, I think what's interesting growing up, I definitely had a disordered relationship with food. Mm. I wouldn't say that I had an eating disorder, but I definitely was disordered. And I think a lot of girls of my generation, and in fact probably all generations, went through periods of their life where food really did actually con- control how you looked at life. I know that when I was younger, it was kind of like the heroin chic Effie from Skins, really, really (laughs) skinny look that Mm. everyone was going for. Mm. But then now it's not, there's now like eating disorders called orthorexia, is it? Yeah. um, 
Yes, unfortunately, it's not clinically recognized as a term yet. However, I think it's only a matter of time before it's potentially going that way. So orthorexia, the word ortho comes from the Greek word pure. And um, a a kind of phase on Instagram and social media developed called clean eating, Mm. which is heavily linked towards orthorexia. Often coming out of an eating disorder like anorexia, a very common recovery path route is orthorexia. So an obsession with eating very clean foods, um, not really using any sources. Perhaps for one person, this may be even a fear of having water that isn't filtered. It could be they don't want any colorful vegetables apart from green because of the amount of natural sugars in it. Mm. It can derive in many shapes or forms, but that's also a form of immense restriction. Yeah, and I think when you're talking about that, that's also starting to think about what, what people need to realize is it is a psychological illness, much in the same way that like obsessive compulsive disorder is, mm-hmm. which it's not kind of like a jokey thing to throw around and be like oh I'm so OCD or like we were talking about just earlier Kim Kardashian's stories the other day where her sisters were going you look so anorexic Mm. it's just I'm I'm really surprised now in 2018 because I think a lot of people are more aware but I think that's a term maybe when we were younger I used to say like oh my god you look so tiny you look Mm. so skinny Mm. I think those are those are words and adjectives we need to stop Totally. I think the language that we use to describe things is really worrying. And and with eating disorders especially, obviously, like we said before, everybody has a relationship with food. Mm. That's something that I believe in so strongly. It's something I talked about in my TEDx talk. And it's the fact that psychology and nutrition work together. And often it's not about the food itself. Mm. It's about other things that are keeping a person trapped. It's a coping mechanism in that point in time. But for some, it can be so severely dangerous. It can be so much more. In fact, I pulled up a lot of statistics. And if you're looking at eating disorders, I mean, the research suggests that around 46% of anorexia patients fully recover only. Mm. So 33% improving and 20% will remain chronically ill. And when I say chronically, that means forever. It's also the highest incidence of death. And this is a very morbid kind of subject Mm. to approach, but I think it's important that we don't throw around language Mm. like this because for some people, this is a condition they'll live with for their entire lives. Yeah, and that's huge because I think exactly people in the media, what's the danger is, especially with social media and people like Kim Kardashian being so massively publicized is that whilst we're in kind of Mm. the health and wellness industry Mm. we think we're reaching a big audience but really outside of our echo chamber there's so many voices and so many magazines still publicating fake news and things and and for instance we've both spoken about the appetite suppressing lollipops oh yes the detox teas and the diet pills and how do you think that's impacting oh it's it's a very very scary environment it's almost like we're encouraging or rewarding people for restricting their food intake as if you're not being a healthy human unless you're restricting and trying to achieve a smaller body shape. In fact, there's a big problem. This all stems down to society's image of what is an ideal shape. Yeah. You know, what does the media say we should all look like? And it, actually, that's ridiculous. It's absurd because we're all completely unique. Mm. One body shape cannot be right for everyone. One size, one number. And this is where things like appetite suppressants encourage an extremely unhealthy relationship with food. And it preys on the vulnerable. And I'm sure we all know, or anyone listening will know somebody out there that's going through a difficult time. And probably, potentially, they would see something advertised by their favorite celebrity and think, yep, 
if it works for them it'll work for me yeah and I also think the more sinister edge towards like appetite suppressants and things like that is it's encouraging kind of gluttony without consequence it's quite like a consumerist idea it's like you can eat as much as you want yeah and you're not going to get fat as if fat is the ultimate worst thing but this is happening at the same time as we have like starvation and so many and I think that's where it starts horrendous rather than encouraging people to see food as a benefit it's like it's it's villainizing food again. Totally. And I think we're very, very fortunate in the Western world or the society that we live in and hopefully everybody listening and that we have access to fresh fruit, vegetables, Mm. a variety of different sources of food from around the world. And ultimately, if you allow yourself, research suggests, um, an enjoyed item of food, you're less likely to binge on it. So what happens when we go for a process of denying ourselves something? We create a black or white mindset. Mm. So a different thought process where if you can't have something before you know it we've all been there yeah you want it and then you try and restrict it again and this this also happens in fad diets regularly yes and encourages what i call a binge restrict cycle yeah it's like the elastic band you pull it pull it and then you it got snaps it. yeah and the other interesting thing which i've only started to learn about more recently is this uh, the moral worth that we put on mm. foods so we kind of deem which is probably tied into the cleanliness thing but we deem certain foods more moral than others and then we shame certain people for eating certain things but there's so many layers that play into someone's diet it's not just whether or not they're aware about nutritional healthy Mm. it's their socioeconomic background totally culture religion and and i remember someone commented a really intelligent girl who follows me she's amazing once wrote something like um if you're from a very lower socioeconomic background you don't you can't buy your kids a holiday you can't take them to disneyland france you can't buy them clothes you might be able to afford them fish and chips exactly and if that's your luxury item it doesn't matter if that's unhealthy and so this is where it's really difficult for people to be shaming people for their weight while simultaneously looking at it from a very different angle i think weight shaming is a whole other kettle of fish altogether it's a complete other kind of subject but that in itself can of course lead to eating disorders you can be anorexic and be overweight and that's the misconception around it like you just said that was someone's treat no food is worthless Every food has a place. I mean, if you're looking at nutrition, this is quite an interesting fact. Chips have more vitamin C than a potato. Oh, that's amazing. And that's because of the way the chip is cooked. So if you're looking, that's the first thing I learned in my lectures at university. And I remember being like, what? That's mental. But little things like for somebody, chips might be their only source of vitamin C that week. And we have to really start thinking about individual differences and the reality of the situation and small changes can make big differences yeah and I think that's really important to point out that someone who you know just because it's it's going by the way things look it's much in the same way just because someone looks very slim and very athletic it Mm. does not mean that they eat a healthy diet or are healthy in their lifestyle and I remember much in the same way when I was younger I used to sometimes make myself sick and I was never skinny so I was like Mm. this is why is this not working Mm. you can't ever see health mm. and it might seem like on instagram and platforms like that that you can judge someone purely by their physique but you really can't you have no idea what someone's eating what they're doing everyone's body reacts very differently you can't judge a book by its cover and i think when you mentioned that you're very open about the struggles you've had yeah. in the past with things and food and relationships with it but it's the underlying things that are not spoken about, like your increased risk of bone density, mm. problems with bone mineral densities. So that's osteopenia towards osteoporosis, which is actually a silent illness. And most people don't realize they have osteoporosis until they break a bone. Yeah. And especially for um, any women listening, we're more predisposed to this. What about thinking about lifespan? So 
having an eating disorder, unfortunately, in most cases, can even shorten lifespan. Mm. It depends how long you've had it for, menstruation, fertility. There's a lot of very important issues. And when we're discussing food, we go so purely sometimes on aesthetics and images. I mean, you mentioned social media. And of course, it's an image-based platform. Exactly. That's where problems stem from. Because if you're looking at one person's food, they may not have eaten it that day. You know, they may have eaten it the day before, or it may have been, you don't know what the rest of the picture's looking like. So that's another thing I kind of wanted to talk about, I guess, because of going back to the kind of orthorexia idea, because Mm. we see these people, and probably myself adding to this, with very healthy lifestyles Mm. and doing a lot of exercise and eating really well, how could someone know maybe if they're actually, because I would assume that a lot of people maybe actually have a very disordered relationship with food, but don't really realise, or what are the kind of key signifiers that someone should look out for, maybe if they need to readjust their way of thinking? I think, first of all, not to compare your lives to other people online. I mean, I'm sure you hear this phrase a lot, Mm. but genuinely, like you just said, people that live healthy lifestyles, we should actually be encouraging that and not shaming it either. So Mm. there's a level there. If it's causing you anxiety that's a problem. If you're questioning yourself and you don't feel quite right and you're feeling like you are consumed by thoughts of food and shape, like I said earlier, that is when it becomes a big problem. But the biggest thing about looking at your favorite social media influencer, let's say, or celebrity, is that you will never, ever see the whole picture. And we actually everyone has a responsibility here. The consumer that consumes social media has a responsibility. The government has a responsibility to protect and the people putting the content out have an ethical responsibility as well to say, hey, if this worked for me, it worked for me. I can't promise this is going to work for you. Yeah. And what if someone was, say they feel like they're struggling with an eating disorder, what what is the process that they should go through? Um, ultimately, the first point of call is your GP. So you need to head on into the doctor's surgery, um, hopefully have a very honest discussion with them. And they're the people that are able to refer you to NHS services. Now, sometimes that isn't always going to be the case. Unfortunately, the waiting list for eating disorders can be up to three and a half years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Because it's so rife. Yeah. I was at an event, um, I think late last year at Parliament for BEAT, the Eating Disorder Charity, which is another good resource you can use. And those were the latest statistics. And that was terrifying. We just don't have enough funding and resources. However, the positive thing is there are websites like BEAT out there doing their bit. There's also the National Centre for Eating Disorders that people can go to. There's the Samaritans phone line, online charities. There are places and people you can talk to but you need to find, I would say, the best advice is to find someone you can trust that you can speak yeah. to that's going to give you support. So at the minute, in terms of, is it more rife amongst young girls or is that my own preconception? Well, um, that's an interesting one, actually, because I was looking at some stats earlier, but men are also equally affected, we think. However, females obviously report things more, mm. a hell of a lot more vocal. But if we're looking at admissions as well, we've definitely seen a rise of people going in. So the NHS actually recently said that up to 6.4% of adults displayed signs of having an eating disorder not even coming in for an eating disorder and 25 percent of those were men that's so interesting yeah so it's definitely on the rise because what I think I've noticed more and more is I've come from quite a disordered relationship with food to being I honestly genuinely think I have a fantastic relationship now Mm, that's lovely but going through that journey I've looked around and I've noticed my mum my sister every single friend that I have has got some weird Mm -hmm. funk with food and (laughs) I I then see it but you can't 
people are so even I'll say to my mum she'll be like oh I'd like to lose a bit of weight and my job is literally a personal trainer mm. I help people to do this she'll go I'm just gonna cut up I need to stop eating bread ah carbs and I'm yeah. like mum it's not it's not the bread trust me no. I was like just eat to thought oh I can't eat now and I'm sitting there and I'm like she knows that I know but she'd rather believe because she's so ingrained to believe that carbs are bad and that bread well, is bad it's like brainwashing in society yeah. in different generations so for our elders let's say it would be the fear of fat just as much as carbohydrate they will have followed all sorts of diets the f diet and all these different rosemary colony kind of workouts and programs unfortunately a lot of disordered eating behaviors come from family as well it's what i call a food script so it's a kind of like a play of your life or your food world so when you're growing up, do you remember your mum eating separately to you or your dad? Do you remember what they'd eat at the dinner table, words they'd use when you saw your family? I mean, I remember going to my nan when she was around and she'd be like, oh, you look like you've lost weight, Rihanna. And that's how she would compliment me. Yeah. But the meaning, the motive behind it isn't a negative one. That's just the language that was used. Yeah. And my mum always used to be reading those magazines and picking which body shape she was. And she mm. was always like an apple. Oh, okay. And then she'd oh, always, yeah. and she's still very, very conscious of her body. And I. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I have to say to mum, you can't, I wouldn't like, to, I don't want to speak about this no. with you because I've realised if you're around people that talk about it too much, it does start to get into your psyche. Yes. You yeah. have to be, and I feel bad because I did a bikini competition. My God, I can't imagine what it was like for my girls at uni when I was doing that yeah. because I was consciously, constantly staring at my body. I was tiny and I was, for the sake of the thing, trying to get leaner and leaner and leaner. Now for them to live with me, I don't know how. Did you find out of interest, um, sorry, I'm interviewing you now. No, I'm just go. <laughs> did you find when you did the uh, bikini competition, it was quite triggering? I mean, do you think that's a, a good idea for people that are quite vulnerable? Because I wouldn't. No, know. I don't think it's healthy for anyone. Mm. I kind of fell into it because when I first got into fitness, I had a PT that didn't give me that much food. Mm. And I just got really lean. My body seemed to adapt very well to be, like getting shredded. So everyone, and I was at Union Wales, and it's quite big there. So people said to me, will you compete? And I just kind of went, oh, okay. And I did it. It was so, I, I, it took me months. It was funny enough, that was the thing that got me out of, before that I'd always had quite a bad relationship mm. with food. But I got so, so small, so lean, and I didn't feel any better. Yeah. But it, it wasn't easy. But then yeah. funnily enough, that looking back then six months after I'd done it, I was like, oh, I don't need journey. to be lean. And I got over it. Yeah. But I wouldn't necessarily say that you should go to no. that extreme to get there. No, no. And I cannot tell you, I was the smallest I've ever been. I weighed like 52 kilos. I weigh almost 70 now mm. all the time. Mm. And I thought I was fat. I couldn't see that I was small. Well, this, okay, so these are some interesting things that happen. So when your body goes into a little bit of starvation, you release endorphins naturally. So your gut bacteria, and you send all these signals to your brain and it secretes serotonin, which is like your happy hormone. Yeah. So people that are often going through fasting for long periods or starvation or losing a lot of weight, they get this natural high from it as well. Oh. And also it can contribute to the dysmorphia. So what we call with the, the other voice, everyone's kind of got a voice in their heads. Yeah. And I discuss this a lot with eating disorder clients. Often we name the voice. So it becomes 
something maybe you didn't like in childhood or another voice that could be for me, let's say Rhiannon, the voice could be Robert in my head. It could be male or female. I don't know. But that voice gets louder and louder when we're in times of famish or where mm. we need protecting. And it almost takes over. And for people with eating disorders, that voice, it becomes hard to separate the person and the illness voice. Right. That's what gets difficult. And without carbohydrates, and of course, when you were going through a phase where you were very lean, I'm guessing your sleep, or you might have been exhausted, or your sleep was disrupted, and it was harder to get to sleep, yeah. or you craved food all the time. I or, would. I think I was so hungry before bed, mm. but I'd get, wake up so early because I'd be so hungry for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd go to sleep early, but I'd be up at like four or five in the yeah. morning. Because your body's telling you, I, I mean, carbs are the first, the body's preferred source of fuel. Yeah. We can't forget that we have a blood-brain barrier, that fats and protein don't don't go through as efficiently in the same way it has to go through another process to get there as carbs can and you've got to really look at the quality and quantity of a carbohydrate we seem to have demonized food groups that can contribute to eating disorders and I think it's a big problem I think it's a huge problem because I think what I never realized was I was trying and I know we say this on social media all the time (laughs) and I was trying to find the right diet there's no such thing as a good diet no no one's there's I did no the perfect. cabbage soup diet I tried doing keto I tried doing five two I did everything under the sun mm. the only thing that worked was just exercising and eating well like yeah. and it sounds so stupid and I eat a lot of food but it's eat a not lot of stupid good food. it's common sense yeah yeah but what we're told is like there's an, for some reason as well I didn't want to do anything to get skinny that was the weirdest I wanted to be skinny that's my goal but I didn't want to exercise and mm. I I just I used to, um, I spoke about this in my podcast with Charlie Cox. I used to wish that I could get ill to get skinny. It's so mm. weird. I used to have a desire to want to be able to not eat. eat. Yes. And we were both saying how weird it is that you don't look for a positive way of getting there. It's always by something really like yeah. awful happening to get oh, yeah. that skinny. Or a quick fix. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when actually working out and eating well, even though I'm not the body shape I wanted to be, your happiness, basically it all comes down to the fact that your happiness doesn't come from what you look like. Yeah. When you're happy in your own life you really won't care what your body looks like. so true. And I think we just need more role models out there of every shape and size. Mm. And I think there's such a problem that, like you said, we wouldn't look like uh, Kate Moss because when we don't we're not built like no. Kate Moss but when that's the image that's plastered everywhere for a different generation like our parents or someone yeah. else that's what people will aspire to and of course sometimes it's not even willpower I hear this a lot in my clinic yeah. oh I don't have the willpower I'm like but you don't need to and it's not actually your willpower you are designed as a human being to have taste buds because you are meant to to enjoy your food exactly it's survival yeah I think that's really important thing to point out as well some because the frustration I know you'll have friends I think it's like she doesn't even work out she's so small Mm. that's just your body will have a sitting point mine at the minute is just where it sits when Mm. I'm not really trying your body will do that you can't you can push it as much as you want and make it tight but it just simply won't stay there Mm. unless you make yourself super uncomfortable and that will translate into the rest of your life there's nothing there's no joy in being there's no reason for you to feel the need to be small no of course and I think not only being small but being so being underweight severely and being overweight is not the ideal for your health Mm. both are extreme ends of the spectrum and it's finding a healthy balance which doesn't look the same for anyone health is different I would define health differently to what you would probably define health to what everyone else sees health for someone it might be I had one portion of broccoli this week for us, it might be I had an apple every day. Yeah. You know, it's very um, perspective. I can't even say the word today. Susceptive to you. Yeah. Is that right? Um, subjective. <laughs> subjective. <laughs> I don't oh, know dear. What, I was like, I don't know this word. <laughs> you can tell it's already been a long yeah. morning. <laughs> but 
but no, I think, and I say this all the time, but I think one of the best things to do, and obviously I can't speak to anyone with an eating disorder, but in life, I think to any woman out there, because I know that we struggle, is to stop looking at how we can lose weight, take things away, take things out of our diet. Look how you can add exercise in, add positivity, add to your life by fueling. If you try and make everything about adding, mm. your brain is that simple that it sees a positive correlation. It goes, yeah. oh, this is good. So think what you can put in, not what you can take out. Exactly. But remember that it's a triangle approach. So eating disorders or working on your relationship with food should involve a doctor, a psychologist or psychiatrist, and a nutrition professional. That's the triangle approach. I mean, that speeds up recovery. You can't really just do the nutrition without yeah. working on the other two elements. Yeah. It's so teamwork. Yeah. Good teamwork. Really good. <laughs> but um, are there any other things that you think are important that we should mm. talk about? I think in general, there's now so much research coming out that what we eat is obviously essential, but also how we sleep, how we move, how we breathe every day, mindfulness. There's a lot of talk about this holistic approach. Mm. Health in the human body is a 360 degree approach. So even in clinic, I set exercises, self-care exercises for my clients just so they can focus on something else as a coping strategy that's not food. But remembering that the gut microbiome and research we now have that says it's linked to mental health even and depression just as much as what you eat helps your gut bacteria thrive. Yeah, You know, the diversity of the diet, the links between serotonin production, which I've discussed already, but if you have a carbohydrate in your diet or an amino acid, which is a building block of protein, and that's called tryptophan. If you've got those two things together, you're going to produce a lot more happy hormone, serotonin. And that converts to something, I'm throwing off all these words, <laughs> but that converts to melatonin, and that helps regulate your circadian rhythms. Oh, that's so And that's your sleep cycle. Yeah. So food also affects sleep, and sleep affects your appetite. So if you're not sleeping, you sometimes you need to eat more the next day. Everything is so interlinked that yeah. you can't focus on one alone. Well, we're all chemicals, aren't we? So I guess every time mm. you eat, it sends a message to mm. a different part of your body. And Totally. And I think with food as well, it's really important that you... Because I, I, it's so easy to want to follow someone else's diet or do mm. something. But a really good thing to do, not to become obsessive, but just note down how you feel after you eat certain things. Yes. So you might feel like, oh, I ate that and actually I had a, was in a really good mood that day. Or you might feel like, I felt so shit the other day, I was so grumpy. And you'll look back and you realise you forgot to have lunch. That is exactly what I do with my clients in clinic. And it's what I put in my book, actually. There's a whole chapter on this. If anyone has Renourished, that's got a section where you can, the food diary tool. Where you put it in, you put your mood, you put the food. Because some days when you're feeling, let's say, IBS symptoms is something a lot of people are experiencing. A lot of the time it's stress. It's not that you're intolerant to a food. And in fact, just to touch on tolerance test kits, they're not really valid. There's a reason we don't use them in the NHS. And you can never get enough blood anyway from a prick that you need to, you know, fully analyze. That's a whole other subject. But that can lead into disordered food behaviors. Yeah, because then you start to cut things out. You're you're panicking. You know, it could come back saying you're allergic to everything under the sun or intolerant to something. And actually, you're not. Yeah, because I was reading something about this. It was like the amount you're intolerant could be so minute that it's not going to cause... You won't even notice it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do this... Even this morning, it was really funny. I went and trained with two of my girlfriends. I was so moody. And I had to I'm so sorry. I've just realized I'm starving yeah I had yeah, a client in the yeah. morning and I hadn't had breakfast and I was so hungry yeah and I was actually being really pissy yeah and I really I just yeah. couldn't get happy and it's because I'm hungry I react really badly hanger is real oh my goodness hanger is so so real but one of the most <laughs> common things I see like with my PT clients I try and talk to them about like how they eat and literally every girl that comes in they'll they will have this massive shame around their body image mm. So they'll eat healthy inverted commas in the day, which means they won't basically have a salad at lunch. 
oh. won't really have breakfast. Yeah. Won't really have, and it gets to 10 o'clock and they have like loads of food. Now there's no shame in them eating loads of food, but the problem is that they're attaching a seek it's a cycle of like you're saying the restrict binge yeah. cycle As a and i don't care if someone wants to eat 600 grams of chocolate no. in the evening it's nothing to do with me i don't mind but if you're being mean towards your body like in terms of looking at yourself in the mirror and saying i don't feel good enough and then using that as a crutch to prop you up and feel better yeah. that cycle is just oh one that i'm going to perpetuate yeah, yeah it's going to keep going and this is a when you said the salad things whenever i do a corporate wellness talk so sometimes i go into offices and i teach the people there how to you know eat well for performance because mm. it affects your mood and how you can concentrate i use this analogy of what do you think is the better meal and i ask them every time so i've got a diagram of a salad literally with leaves cucumbers some tomatoes that that's probably a bit of onion and then I've got a burger with chips like on the side with some ketchup everybody always goes straight to the salad when I'm like show of hands what's healthy whereas actually out of those two meals the burger and the chips gives 10 times more nutrition than the leaves that's what you've got to think about what it's adding to your diet you need to eat I have to like hammer this home with my clients I'm like I need you to eat they come to the session that time like you haven't eaten enough and I'll be like you're especially in terms of if you want to feel body confident you want to get in vertical and tone yeah you need to fuel yourself because the performance you put into the gym is what's going to make you look and feel fab and it's extra energy and your performance comes from the food so you need to like be make sure you're fueling yourself like I can't drum in enough like it took me so long to not be scared of eating yeah well your brain alone uses roughly around I mean I don't really like using calories but they have a place and it Mm. uses around 600 calories from you literally doing nothing well it's funny because whenever I do something I don't know if this is legit <laughs> if I do a podcast that's yeah. really emotionally overwhelming yeah. I'm starving yeah. and exhausted yeah like more than I would be if I went to the gym no totally totally if I'm doing interviews my brain is working so any students out there studying or listening there's a reason that you get hungry library snacks <laughs> library snacks you need to fuel your brain yeah. completely and I think when we're talking about eating disorders in general if anyone is struggling or knows anyone definitely seek help because it is possible to get the help mm. they need but like we just said food is a vital component of life and it's not worth living the rest of your life in fear of something that is vitally important yeah, for you. It's so true. And like, I know you want to talk a little bit at the end about social media, mm. but bringing it back to that, if anyone you follow triggers you in any certain way or mm. makes you feel any kind of negative emotion, just unfollow them, whether yeah. that's me, anyone yeah. else. Yeah. You need to be able to realize that that's your own personal like magazine to curate. Mm. And you mm. need to be able to look through that and feel safe and not feel like your well-being is being threatened by comparison or anything else and I think because it can be such a big part of how we view ourselves Mm. and we we are our phones are an extension of us now Mm. we're so everyone's so involved in social media so we do need to take it very seriously I mean sometimes a question I get asked a lot is oh what book should I be reading to help me you know what podcast should I be listening to and often if I know the person has a disordered relationship with food I'll say anything that is not related to food or not related to exercise because you need to be surrounding yourself in a different environment right now yeah it can be it you may think it's helpful but it may be the opposite because you might get I guess you could get obsessed with someone else's idea of doing things totally so you just have to find good ways to fill yourself find what works for you and I think just being responsible and taking responsibility for the the actions that we, we take every day and it's hard it's a hard world out there now I mean I didn't grow up with social media and when yeah. I was at uni studying nutrition I didn't have Instagram or Twitter you know it was it wasn't there and nowadays it's um making me sound very old now as I'm speaking <laughs> but nowadays it is 
it is like you say an extension of you yeah so just have some protective barriers in place i think yeah but a time out there's an app isn't there that says how much time that you spend on your phone yeah you can get do you know i actually deleted it because it annoyed me i've never done it so i got it because my boyfriend has it he's so good though he never goes on his phone yeah yeah. he sometimes makes his screen black and white it makes you not want to go on it Ah. you can make your whole phone come up in black and white and it's so disengaging that it actually makes you you would only go on it if you got a message or something. You wouldn't want to look at it. It's really, it's weird. That's so clever. Yeah, the color, it's just horrible. Yeah, yeah. But I downloaded it. I can't remember what it's called now. You can definitely look mm, it up. And yeah. I just, then again, I go on my phone for work, but I was so grossed yeah. out that yeah, I was yeah. like, I can't actually. No. I mean, there's us saying this, but then there's the other flip side is that I do believe education is so empowering. Yeah. So the more that you know, the more that you understand, the yeah. more you can protect yourself. Exactly. So there is definitely a fine line. Yeah, for sure. Where can we find you if we want to follow you? Um, well, very easy these days. Um, everywhere at Retritions. That's R-H-I-T-R-I-T-I-O-N. I've also got a book, yes. um, Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well. So that's kind of like a 50% nutrition Bible. So facts, things you want to know about sugar, alcohol, eating disorders, having a session in clinic with me and at the back is like recipes, 50% yeah. recipes. Amazing. And then you've got, have you got a new book coming out? Yeah, there's, um, there's one with a lovely, lovely man called Ronnie O'Sullivan, who Amazing. is a snooker champion, which is incredible. And we're oh, wow. discussing mental health and how he stays on top of his game. And that's coming out in May next year. But you'll hear a lot more about that soon. That's so interesting. I'm so Honestly, this subject is fascinating and I'm so happy we're all talking about mental health more. Yeah, it's so important. Thank you so much for coming Pleasure. on and talking to me about it and remember guys if you do if anything in this you felt like might relate to you do make sure that you kind of go to a doctor or someone who knows what they're speaking about um and lots of people want to reach out to influencers or even to like re 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 (laughs) or myself but we can't really give like generalized advice via social media so you have to make sure you kind of go into a doctor's or you know yeah yeah and just make sure that you make your health of the utmost important thank you so much for listening and i will see you next week bye